Good day, Industrial Advisors listeners, and thank you for tuning in. If you have not subscribed, please do so by clicking subscribe wherever you podcast. Click the like button and hit the bell if you want notifications of when we put up new content. Leave us a comment about anything we discuss here today or general comments about the show. Now, let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to our Industrial Advisors podcast. You have Bill Condon here and Matt McGregor. We have a just a great guest today where it's actually her first time on, which we're really excited about. We have Amanda Ortiz, who is our director of industrial research with us today. She produces phenomenal material on the national industrial market. She's been on many panels, just very insightful when it comes to all things industrial. Amanda, welcome to the podcast and thank you for, uh, for joining us. Yes, thank you. Finally, thanks so much for having me. I'm like really excited to be on your podcast. I am coming off of the cold though, so I'll apologize in advance to your listeners if I sound like a fraud, but we're just going to push through. You guys just have a fabulous and informative podcast, and I'm just super happy to be able to share some thoughts on the national industrial market. So it's very full for me. Thank you, awesome. Amanda. And you sound great, by the way. All That's thank right. you. You sound way better than Matt does. That's kind of hard so- to do. We just got done with Q3, and I know that the stats are all finished up, but talk a little bit about where we're at after the third quarter here in 2022. Things are good. Still very good, actually, for the industrial sector. We're still seeing demand for product, strong rent growth, low vacancy, and a very full construction pipeline. So through year end, we're still definitely in a really good spot, but we are seeing demand start to slow and that could raise issues with vacancy and overall occupancy. Product construction is at an all-time high, more than 650 million square feet under construction right now. And with demand slowing, that could lead a lot of vacant product if it's not been stopped. And then you have the current economic situation, right, to consider. That's definitely going to impact capital markets for sure. We've already seen that start to happen. The Fed is set to increase interest rates again this week, still trying to bring down inflation. And we're not technically in a recession, because GDP increased third quarter, it's unemployment is still very low, but the concern for a mild recession is still there. Retail sales are starting to slow, not a whole lot of growth there month to month, but still up about 8% year over year. Hopefully holiday sales will strengthen that growth, but we'll see. There's a lot, all things that's going to affect growth in the industrial sector. So we're just going to continue to keep an eye out on these trends and see what happens. Amanda, thank you for that. That's a lot of topics you threw out there. If you were going to say that there's three that are the most impactful to the industrial sector nationally, what would you say are those three? Right now, one, construction is really hot, especially since the pandemic. I think developers have kind of operated on a build it and they're definitely going to come strategy and that's going to change. Developers are already starting to become more cautious and starts. And not building unless they already have a tenant in place and many things there. So that's one. Two, year-over-year rent growth right now is very strong. It's about 15% overall. In 2021, it was just 7%, obviously higher in some places than in others. And there's a few reasons for that, right? High land prices, that's pushing rents on new products. 
and still historically low vacancy. So we're still going to see strong rent growth. And then three, the evolution, if you will, of Port City. Total inbound TEU volume is up about 5% overall at our largest seaports. Volume on the West Coast ports historically very high. But the Panama Canal expansion, that's just opened up other parts of the country on the East Coast and the Gulf Coast. And those ports have experienced higher year-over-year growth. The Port of Houston increased imports 20% year-over-year. Charleston, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, all increased more than 10%. So these port industrial markets are in a really good position to capture more tenant demand in and around those areas. So those are my top three trends right now. Those are great. And just a quick question. It's just so interesting that you've got a massive amount of construction slowing demand, but you're talking about we've had a 15% increase in rents. Do you think that's got to start to come down, right? With that, with those other trends. It could, in maybe in some areas. I think already Inland Empire has already seen growth, the growth rates start to come down. They were at maybe 60% over year, and now they're closer to 40 so it's slowing, it's still growing, but slowing. But then there's some secondary markets that are seeing really strong rent growth. Reno, for instance, highest year-over-year growth, 80%, bringing them to over $13 a square foot. Same with Vegas. Vegas rents grew almost 60%. They're also over $13. So their proximity to those West Coast ports have certainly helped with demand in those markets. So not that rents are going to come down and reverse and get lower, but it just the growth is going to slow for sure. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. And there's been so much investment capital focused on those port-centric markets mm-hmm. over the years. That all makes sense. We were talking about rent growth. What have been the, call it top two, three, four markets for rent growth year to date? And then also which markets have had the most absorption? Again, like I was just mentioning, Reno is very high. year-over-year growth. Some of those port markets, very high growth. But then when we talk about absorption, year-to-date, we've got the usual suspects, right? Core markets with historically strong demand. You've got Chicago, Dallas, Phoenix, Houston. The Inland Empire only came in sixth, but it's not because demand isn't there. There just isn't anywhere to place these tenants, right? Inland Empire has the lowest vacancy in the country. So there's The issue there is just no space. But if we're talking about growth markets for both rent growth and absorption, Savannah, Charleston, top of the list. Two rapidly growing port markets that are just going to continue to grow in 2023. Rent growth in Charleston was almost 75% year over year. But price-wise, Savannah is probably one of the most cost-effective markets to be in. Yeah, probably another reason for its accelerated. That's crazy. Those numbers are 75%. Yeah. The Charleston area is 60%. You mentioned the IE. Those yeah. are just outrageous rent growth numbers. Talk to us a little bit about user sectors. Obviously, we had Amazon just crazy through COVID, booming in e-commerce. Where is the, what segments are the top user growth coming from right now with kind of Amazon being sidelined? That definitely an interesting topic, right? We track industry growth in terms of full occupancies, right? And that's all transactions, new leases, renewals, and user sales over 100,000 square feet. And the top industry sector far and away is three. Historically, they've been the top or close to the top anyway industry. And I think they'll continue to be. In fact, their market share is about 
30% right now. And that's probably going to grow even more in the next few years, mainly because companies continue to reassess their supply chain strategies and this outsourced distribution, it's just going to become a more appealing option to some tenants. The strategy allows product to be kept closer to the end consumer, shortening delivery times, and allowing businesses to scale efficiently. And then you also can't overlook reverse logistics, right? Lots going mm -hmm. out, but also a mm -hmm. lot is coming back. And these three PLs also add value to the tenant by supporting this aspect of the supply chain. So overall, three fields are going to continue to be a top sector, but retail, wholesale, manufacturing industries, those are also some of the top sectors and they're still growing. Manufacturing in the U.S. through reshoring is starting, just starting to become more of a trend, but I do think that we'll see more of that in the years to come. But when talking about these growth industries, the top sector and growth industries, those are two completely different things, right? Data centers, they're growing fairly rapidly, almost 80% year-over-year growth for data centers. Some major tech companies moved into industrial space this year, like Facebook and Google, Microsoft, Intel. And the issue with data centers thing is that there's just not enough of it. One, yeah. it's very Properly to build. It's just about always built on a build a suit basis, but I think we will see more demand and then more construction for this product type. And then you also have food companies. That industry grew about 40% year wow. over year. And that's another, right, it's another product type that we just don't have enough of cold storage. With online grocery sales expected to increase, these companies need space to house the frozen product and meat and produce. So I think we'll see more demand for this property type as well. But again, it's another expensive to build the type of facility, rarely built on spec, but that's also starting to turn around. There's been a few recently built on spec, and I think we can definitely look to see more of that in the future. Man, so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh yeah, sorry, oh, man. I was just going to oh. say that's a good point because in our local market, we sold a couple of years ago, a hundred thousand square foot building that had roughly 15 to 20,000 square feet of cooler freezer, that tenant is moving out. We just put it on the market and we had, we're at leases that probably get done this week, but we had four or five food users looking at that space hard because of the existing cooler freezer and infrastructure that was in place. And Amanda, I'm going to define two terms for the listeners, mostly some of the new listeners. 3PL is third-party logistics, which are, is the number one category as Amanda outlined. And that is basically companies that handle products for other companies. So for example, if Amazon didn't want to directly sell their Kindle, they may go out to a third party company to handle that. And then secondly, re reverse logistics is returns, which is a big issue with the growth of online sales is how do you return items? And obviously 3PLs are becoming more and more sophisticated with that. Quick question for you, Amanda, on the 3PLs being the number one growth segment in industrial, do you happen to know if it's a lot of online sales through 3PLs or is it still overall distribution or do you know that? It's honestly overall, it's okay. both. It's both. And the NSI, GXO, Unis, these are all companies that have really taken a lot of space so far year to date. And I think we're just going to see more and more of those companies taking up the top spots of top occupiers in the coming years. Great. Thank you. And Amanda, 
expectations going into the new year. Obviously, we have a lot of unknowns. You're very close to the facts of the matter and in, in industrial, probably more so than anybody. What are some of your expectations for the remainder of this year and then obviously going into 2023? For the remainder of this year and then and beyond, I'll go back to some of the trends I mentioned earlier, just give a little bit more color on them where I said demand is going to continue to moderate, but that is oh. Hey, for as much as we fear of just-in-case inventory strategies, I think some companies right now have excess inventory in stock. They're going to pull. They're not going to shed the space they already have, but they'll just pool it with looking to expand. But then you have some major retailers that are trying to compete with Amazon's e-commerce business, and they are still playing catch-up. Walmart, for instance, definitely in the game, and they are the second largest occupier year-to-date. Wayfair, another e-commerce company, they're also expanding. E-commerce is just going to continue to grow. And that just leaves opportunity for these other retailers to take more space, especially in these last mile facilities. And we can't not talk about Amazon, at least a little bit. And I've also noticed that Amazon, in the midst of them shedding space in some market, they're also building large distribution centers in areas like Oregon, Rhode Island, Louisiana, just getting closer to some of their customers. And then likely other online retailers will follow suit. And like I said, it's just going to be interesting to see what this holiday season brings and whether or not we're going to see strong growth in retail sales. I sure hope so, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, fascinating across the board. And I agree, demand had to cool a little bit at some point, and it isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. But as we as we close out in 2022, how about a prediction for 2023 in the national industrial market? Oh, you want to move inside my crystal wall? <laughs> <laughs> sure do. So don't we all wish we had one? But seriously, if I had to boil it down to just one sentence or... Maybe more. We'll see. But since demand is going to soften and that being okay, with vacancy still as low as it is and a lot of new space coming on the market, I think 2023 is still going to be a really good year. The 10-year average for gear and absorption is about 265 million square feet. And we're over that right now. And I have no doubt we'll still be well over that in 2023. So slowing demand, but demands nonetheless that's more than one sentence but that's my prediction yeah yeah and with that will come continued rent growth just maybe not at the levels that we've seen over the past three four years which i'm sure many tenants will be thankful for <laughs> absolutely absolutely you're absolutely right it's been awesome to have you thank you for joining us love your material appreciate everything you do for the company we're lucky to have you and thank you for joining the podcast and hopefully we'll be talking soon anytime gentlemen this was a pleasure thank you 